Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 583. Going to recap the week three fab action across the NFC. Talk about some recent news, some key players that are not playing well. Let's put it that way, and much, much more. You can find me on Twitter at BDEntrick, B-D-E-N-T-R-E-K, and my co-host again this week, and for quite a few weeks off and on throughout the season. You can find him on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Mike Curlin, how are we doing, my friend? Fantastic, Bubba. Always fun to catch up and talk some baseball with you, buddy. As as I watch uh, a guy I, I streamed this week go over two to start the game, and it's already like tilting, you know. Like yes, and he's, he's got a double header though, so you're good. You get to watch extra at bats today. So I guess what I get to watch him go over eight with six Ks. Great. With that kind of optimism, yes. Um, that, that, <laughs> Listen, that's, that's what you're looking forward to. If he goes one for eight with a home run, I call it a win. I don't care, but uh, that's yeah, a streaming <laughs> win. That's a very big streaming win. It does. Uh, those things where you know overreactions are happening. I'm enjoying having them. I don't know about you, but uh, it's just fun to watch. It's fun to like microanalyze every little thing because you have to. And now my my microphone's better because it had me on the wrong microphone. Now you can hear me better. So there's yeah, that. there it is, there it is. I didn't even realize it. And you hit you hit that button. I'm like, yep, there it is. There's the mic curling. Because, uh, uh, yeah, sorry about for, that. Thanks so. for the equipment. So might as well use it type thing. Yeah, I do apologize for any uh, inconveniences for those listening early on. going to be echo for that first few sentences, but you have me loud and clear now moving forward. For all the key information to come, and Mike mentioned overreactions. That's why we're going to hit on a couple players that have not played well at all. And is it worth overreacting to? Some of us, or at least me and Mike, think a couple guys probably are. But we're going to talk about that and uh, maybe ruffle feathers along the way because that's what we do. Uh, we'll talk about some injured players. Should you drop them? Should you hold them? Some big conundrums to be had there. And some current uh, injuries before we get in our NFBC. And we've got a handful of listener questions too, which is pretty cool. So we'll hit on a little bit of all of that. But before we do that, I know you, you, you did it last week, but you're still my guest this week. So I'll ask again. Let everybody know what you got going on. I know you're working on an article for The Athletic, obviously gaining the edge. Uh, what do you got going on? So yeah, I uh, got you mentioned it. Gaining the edge is kind of the big thing. Obviously, the YouTube. I actually might <laughs> I might go live a little bit after we finish recording here. So youtubecom slash Fantasy or at GTE Fantasy, I believe is how you have to put it in, and you'll find the YouTube. I, I push like two or three shorts a day. I do like two or three live streams a week, at least two. I'm trying to get a week, and then of course the Athletic. I have an article, pretty much what I do for the Patreon, Patreon.com slash Fantasy. Very easy to find my work. 
Uh, I do these, you know, the lineup analysis, the savant recaps, kind of put it all together. I, I monitor injury news for all the teams as much as I can. I throw it in there. And I, and I also include, you know, pitcher injury news and all that. So we discuss that. We discuss the, and within these articles, these, you know, three lately it's been a daily write-up, but usually I try to do at least four a week. It's, uh, you know, team by team discussing who's hot, who's cold. Uh, if there's an injury, who, who subbed into form that game, who's likely to get that playing time moving forward and maybe a little why reasoning if there is something worth digging into, et cetera. But so it's, it's a bunch of that type of stuff. And, you know, we talk about some of that on the podcast here, the article for, for tomorrow for the athletic kind of, kind of outlines some of the stuff, but the meat and potatoes is on the Patreon. So yeah, that's really what I'm doing, you know, and then obviously I tweet stuff that you mentioned at Mike underscore curl and the Twitter handles where you can get like little snippets of all this and where I link all my work. So there's that. Yep. It's uh, always good stuff for Mr. Curlin, uh, and he's he's it's fun because we get to see the behind the scenes of Mike Curlin, and he's always grinding, finding something fun to talk about. So we're going to talk about some of that stuff on this show, but let's start with some of the recent like big news, I guess we could say, the injury news that hits on Monday night. Uh, aces were on the mound, and some aces didn't make it through the game. And we'll start with Corbin Burns, who you know two starts back, or I guess one start back, probably won't look at it was looking really, really good against Arizona. He bounced back after two rough starts. Looks like things are good to go. He was pitching decent on uh, Monday night against Seattle, but he left after a flyout to J-Rod, uh, holding his left pectoral, which is never good. Uh, called for the the trainer's mic. So we, I still haven't seen like a full report yet on what the prognosis is for Burns, but in my mind, this ain't good. I don't know what your thoughts are. So my initial thoughts were wake up, tweet about it, react, and then get told, hey, there's a lot you're missing. I was like, all right, cool. So someone sent me the video. I think it was Zach Wax, actually. Mr. Waxman sent over the video of him talking about it post game, And he uh, Burns actually heard it while playing defense on a like tagging the player on a rundown. And it's his left peck. So it's not, you know, not the throwing side, which is kind of encouraging. But this instantly, because obviously Woodruff's like, oh, I'm just gonna miss a couple starts. I'm like, of course, Burns is gonna say the same thing. But you know, you if you Google it, and I know Google is kind of dangerous, but I don't know what to think with Twitter doctors anymore. Like some of them are really good. Some of them, I mean, I, you know, I try to look for people who actually monitor the stuff in terms of like past, uh, you know, history of this type of thing. But a uh, quick look on Google just suggested it could, if it's a minor one, like he says it is, it could heal in as little as five days, which would be in line for his next start. But if Burns missed a start or two, I would not be a surprised or b like overly concerned even. I mean, I honestly, I almost hope he does take a start or two off because he was mentioning in that, uh, Burns was mentioning in the video that it was affecting his uh, mechanics. It was affecting how he was throwing and he wasn't able to locate his velocity diminished in that final inning. And you don't want him to push through that and just make it worse. So if it's as minor as he believes, I'm sure we're going to get an MRI on it and get more news. But if it was two to three weeks, I wouldn't be surprised, but it does sound relatively minor, all things considered, for Corbin Burns. Well, we'll cross our fingers there. Just a regular 15-day IL stint would be pretty nice if that's all it takes to lose Burns because pitchers are dropping like flies. Some pitchers we wish would drop like flies because their performance is uh, not great, so they might be droppable type thing. But, uh, yeah, let's hope it's not the, the end of the world for Burns as we need these aces to ace. Uh, Jacob DeGrom, he's been ramping up. He's up to 98 pitches in his last start, looking DeGrom-esque. It's a great matchup against Kansas City. He's dealing four, shutout, or four no-hit innings going down 5Ks, 50-something pitches, and then he leaves with a right wrist soreness. I don't know if he was you know, frequenting certain adult websites, if he was playing video games. I don't know what he was doing the night before, but uh, not what I want to hear from a guy that's already got injury concerns to begin with. He says, oh, if it was a big game, I probably would have still pitched, blah, blah, blah. What's your thoughts on this one, Mike? 
kind of wait and see approach right now because the Grom obviously injury prone wrist connects to the elbow, which connects to the shoulder. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. you start going, you start going the wildest routes because obviously this is a guy that is elite and electric when healthy, but the Grom is obviously known for his arm problems. He was shoving. Like you mentioned, he was hitting, I think on the pitch that the last pitch of the game that he threw, it was still like 98. The pitch before that was like a hundred. I went back and watched to see if I could find anything before they came out and said it was his wrist. And DeGrom mentioned that his wrist was bothering him all game and it just got worse and worse to a point where like he's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go ahead and just get out of the game, which is fine. So maybe he cut it off at the head, so to speak. We'll see. But it's ne- you're never optimistic here when it comes to DeGrom. And I think he mentioned something about it was uh, just they were they were, you know, side of caution here because of the whole like it was going to he was afraid it was going to affect his mechanics, just like Burns. It goes back to any little thing for a pitcher can throw something off, which throws off other stuff, which could lead to other injuries. So at the end of the day, we really are just waiting to see what the prognosis is. But of course, you're, you you got to be negative, unfortunately, when it comes to the Grom specifically. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of positivity uh, coming out of that just because he's always hurt. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm concerned, actually, because I feel like they'll just baby him again. And then we're going to back to square one. Now we got to ramp back up, so on and so forth. Uh, I guess we'll have to see how it goes. This is why I only have DeGrom shares in DFS this season. Um, can pick and choose my battles in that one. Let's talk about a couple pitchers that are on the IL. And Brent, let's start with Brandon Woodruff. The story seems to get worse and worse every time it gets updated. It was like, first, minor inflammation. I don't expect to be out long. Now it's like he could be out a minimum of two months. It's all over the board, Mike. So I don't know if you, you, you do a lot of deep research on these guys. Maybe you found out even more information. But what are you doing with a guy like Woodruff? I know you have him on rosters, and he's such a hard drop. But if he's going to start missing three months even, it's hard to stash if you don't have the proper IL spots. So, for instance, you mentioned I have Woodruff. I do have Woodruff in a in my main event. So my biggest league, obviously, there's no, L, no IL spots. NFBC is like that in general in terms of no IL. And you look at everything suggests two to three months like it's in terms of like i think there's rumors floating around like because he doesn't require surgery woodruff might only need two months but with pitchers there's always setbacks this is a shoulder injury so it's not like it's a knee or a leg or it's his throwing arm that's an issue you know like with that all that being said i haven't been you know i'm obviously waiting just like everyone else for this news to drop in terms of like a more because they were supposed to start giving us an outline starting roughly these couple days so we should get hopefully some news before the end of the week. But I held him this past Sunday just because I'm waiting. I'm in a position where I can hold him. I think it is very uh, position specific to I'm in a I'm in a spot where I can afford to stash an injury because uh, Bayo just came back and that was kind of my injury stash in that league. So I think it is team specific, but I would be trying to hold on until we get a more definitive timeline. But And the big thing, the reason why it is worrisome for Woodruff, he did come out and say the whole if this was at the All Star break they'd shut him down. But the All Star break is what six, eight, roughly six to eight weeks till the end of the year, give or take, maybe a little more. So that's why it's like I get that, but that doesn't mean he's going to be out that long. I mean, because if if he's if he's out for two months of the All Star break, that would have left him like two two three weeks to return probably. That's almost not worth it for a lot of these guys. So at the end of the day, I do think Woodruff is at least two months, which is a tough pill to swallow, but. I'm willing to stash for two months, but if it comes out, it's like, oh, three to four. Yeah, he's for me, it's a drop at that point. I'm just, I think the two months is that weird window of, especially right now with what pitching's been, how good he looked. I'm willing to try to hold on to that as long as possible. Again, it really is team specific, though. If you have a team riddled with injuries, it's hard to hold on to a guy that long. So, really, you have to know your team, know your outlook, see where you're at in the standings, and kind of make that judgment based on your own team. But I'm trying to hold as long as possible here with Woodruff. Yeah, I'm with you there. The, the hardest part, as they say, around two to three months. 
Then you got to think of ramp up time. Like there's so many things that could go wrong. An easy setback, like you said. Like no, nothing would ever surprise me if all of a sudden it's a four month deal and we're just sitting there going, "Why did I hold them for two months?" It's it's a it's one of those things. That, I think it's a lose lose situation. Just trying to figure it out with Woodruff and hopefully it's for the better. But uh, we'll see. Speaking of two months absences, let's talk Jeffrey Springs. And this one sucked. He was absolutely filthy to start the season. It was thrown great in the game. He got hurt. Um, he's going to be out for at least two months, they're saying. And I'm just concerned that this is a longer-term thing with him because it seems like the reports get worse and worse every time we hear it. So I'm leaning – like I was waiting one more week to kind of hopefully get more information before I drop him. But he's feeling like a drop, drop for sure compared to Woodruff. Mike, what's your thoughts on Jeffrey Springs? So, yes, I, maybe I'm a little more biased because I don't have them in any big spots. I might, I honestly might not even have a share. I should know that. I don't think I do. I was actually, it was actually a big FOMO guy. I actually entered my last draft of the year wanting him, didn't get him. And it's one of those things where he looked great. Springs looked every bit the potential ace, you know, breakout, that type of guy. And unfortunately, the wording is what has me on that drop, at least dropping him sooner than Woodruff. Because with Woodruff, it's still an unknown. I'm still leaning drop with him. However, Springs is definitely more of a definitive drop for me, considering they were saying miss to miss at least. The words at least. At least suggests to me this is like the low end of what we could expect for him to come back, you know, with Jeffrey Springs. So not to mention they're, inst- they, they're a second additional, well, sorry, additional opinions. It could be more than a second. So you're looking at additional opinions, which means they didn't like what they got the first time. And it is believed that Springs could be dealing with more than just nerve issues. So is there structural issues that causing nerve issues? There's a lot going on there. I'm it's hard. I mean, I get it. And if you want to wait, if you can hold off like a week or two just to get a more definitive timeline, go for it. Obviously, it always goes, I want to stress it always goes back to what your team outlook is, especially in leagues that don't have IL spots. But Springs is definitely less optimistic than than that of Woodruff right now. Yeah, I talked to Bloomfield about this last week. I think it happened the same day as our recording. And the hardest part here is it's a nerve. And it's like we make a, we make jokes about the nerve of someone, um, but it's like he, you don't know how it's going to heal. They're all different. Um, a little tweak could make it set back another week or something. Uh, Jason Collette tweeted out that someone had a similar injury. He was out for two weeks. And he was back. No biggie. But then we see certain guys can miss the entire season because the nerve just never heals properly. It's, it's a very rough situation. As you mentioned, it could lead to other parts of his arm that becomes the issue, and that's when it gets real scary. So – a pitcher as young as he has just got an extension with the Rays, which is big for the Rays to do. They're going to take care of this arm. They're not going to rush him back. They're going to make sure he's good to go. If anything, is getting back for the postseason. Like they don't even care about the regular season type deal. So it's it's going to be quite interesting to see how this plays out. Chris Bubik figured I'd mention him because everyone's still talking about him. This is a fun one. Um, the most probably the most popular name added last week wasn't the most added though. Surprisingly, we talked about that last week. But most popular name added uh he got hurt the flexor strain in his arm because the velocity was down spin was down people were speculating he said after the game yeah he's hurt and he's on the il so for me it's an easy drop and i just wanted to bring it up though because there's conversations in the gaining the edge discord that some don't think it's an easy drop so i want to talk about it with you why is this an easy drop mike curlin well it's an arm injury that affected that is on his pitching side that uh, we saw the velocity dip. We saw location issues. It was an ugly start and he tried pitching through it and he actually didn't do terrible considering he was pitching through a, a strain, which a strain for most people don't, might not realize is like a tear in the ligament. It's not just a strain. A strain is a tear, a ligament tear. And uh, we, it's a flexor strain. Those never end up well with pitchers There's setbacks. They ramp up, they shut down. 
I dropped them. <laughs> I, I just added them. I was I, you know, I was in on them. I got them in my main for sixty nine bucks because I'm a, I'm an adult. I think I'm a child that thinks he's an adult, and uh, it was a nice bid just for me to have the nice drop nicely drop them. Uh, who do I have now? I think I replaced him with a two dollar Spencer Turnbull. So hey, for a total you love of Spencer Turnbull now. So look for, at this. For, for a total of seventy one dollars, I have Spencer Turnbull on my team. Yep. <laughs> oh God, that's where I'm at. But yeah, you get my point though. It's like it wasn't. I didn't really think twice. It's one of the deeper leagues. Obviously, if you have an IL spot, that's fine. But he's not somebody I'm even prioritizing on my uh, IL. Short, a small sample against decent matchups as it was for Pubich. I was buying the changes and I wanted to see how they would carry over start to start as teams adapt and as he faces tougher competition. So I wasn't out on him. And when he comes back, I might be back in on him just because as long as he comes back showing the same stuff, but I don't think there was enough there to warrant a stash in general. And you were betting on the upside. You were already kind of overpaying betting on these changes being legit in the first place. I'd look at it as like just sunk cost, cut your, cut your losses. Don't get attached to them because you, bid up all this money on them and move on to the next guy and hope that you hit gold you know you got i mean that's all it was is you were bidding i, I just want it's, it's one of those things where you were really bidding on the potential you were really betting on it that these changes being legitimate to be a solid back end rotation guy realistically i think I, I got braxton garrett that same week for like 28 bucks and i overpaid by like almost 20 dollars on them and that's already proven to be a better uh investment so it's one of those things where you win some you lose some you gotta live uh move on you really do i think cutting ties with him is kind of the move here at least that's what i did I, i'm just giving the same advice i did that's all yeah i know i'd cut the cut ties with him too because now you gotta hope he comes back with the same velocity same mechanics that already tweaked his arm like that's a concern to me yeah. uh, i just want to see how that goes but something you hit on there, like Braxton Garrett, like Brad Keller, who's the guy we'll talk about today, he was a popular one. It's that time of the year. We've seen guys make about three starts. You're seeing new mechanics. You're seeing new velocity. It's like now you got to take your ch- chances now to see if it's worth it and see if it's a long-term deal. Most of them it won't be. That's just the way it goes. But if you can hit on one or two of those guys that all of a sudden puts together a really awesome five- to six-month run that no one saw coming, that's game-changer type stuff. So that's why you take the chance on Bubik. I'm trying to give a silver lining because somebody did take the chance on him. Um, it, you know, he got an injury. It sucks. We don't really know. Well, the, the, the worst part is, well, we won't know if it was real. That's the thing. It would have been one thing if he went out and got like shelled and then got shelled again. You're like, okay, it's still the Chris Bubik of old. We just don't know. And that's, that's the, like the worst part about it. He got hurt and it all went the wrong direction real quick from there. You know, what's going the wrong direction, Mike Curlin. And we kind of talked about this a little bit last week. It's Tyler O'Neill's playing time going very much the wrong direction and uh, this is a guy that people were looking for the bounce back this year, power speed. His ADP was much lower than the previous year, so it could have been a huge discount, yada, yada, all the stuff you want to hear. And it looked pretty positive to start the season. He was playing regularly because Lars Newtbar wasn't around. Then Mr. Newt comes back, and um, it's not looking good for Tyler O'Neill. So you are the lineup guru. What are you seeing with this Tyler O'Neill? Um, not goodness is the best way I'll say it. You're on mute. Be professional you i am on mute because i'm trying to <laughs> i'm trying not to do background noises as i cough and stuff in the to the mic you know all the everyone loves that yep. but uh i appreciate catching that appreciate otherwise i would have just kept talking um which i'm gonna do anyway so tyler o'neill we look at this and it's just there are obviously red flags here i'm waiting for today's lineup but you mentioned it he's not playing every day right now he he was actually benched prior to carlson having a neck issue which kept him out of the lineup and that got him back in a couple, you know, a couple games ago. And then he, it looks like he stuck from there because obviously I think he had a home run that game as well, which was kind of funny. Like, oh, okay, cool. He, you know, he show, he's sticking it to him. And then Lars Newbar returns and Newbar returns first game and goes straight into center field. And it's like, whoa, 
okay, why center field? And then you keep looking at the lineup. You're like, wait a minute. Newbar's batting seventh or eighth, wherever it was. I think it was seventh. And you're like, you look up, you're like, holy crap, they kept Alec Burleson in the two spot, which Burleson has been performing and pretty deserving of sticking for now, you know? And maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's as simple as he's performing. This is a way that they can, you know, punish, pun- I say punish in air quotes because you shouldn't be punishing a grown man. But anyway, <laughs> like that's ridiculous. But who knows? Maybe they're punishing O'Neal for the lack of lackluster hustle, hustle slash speaking out in public about his, his displeasure with it. Who knows? They shouldn't, they shouldn't have ever made it to us. But with that all said, it's the trends are like this. You have you had him sit too straight in favor of Newt. You had him as in uh, Tyler O'Neill sitting too straight in favor of Newt Barnes center, Alec Burleson in the outfield, as, along with um, why am I blinking on the other guy here in the outfield? Dylan uh, Carlson. No, not Carlson. Wow. Oh, Jordan no, Walker. Walker. Yeah, Jordan yeah. Walker. So, so and a lot of outfielders in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. So and Jordan Walker is a natural third baseman. So that's or at least was, I believe, before he moved into the outfield. But uh, so you have those two. So you have that you have that lineup for two straight days. The third straight day against a righty again, because I figured if O'Neill's gonna get screwed, he might just be short a weak side platoon. We know O'Neill usually moves up in the lineup against lefties. So a platoon spot against lefties made sense at the very least. However, we saw O'Neill get in the game against a righty, but we talked about it off air. What did it take? It took uh it took um I'm trying to remember who went to uh, Goldschmidt was off. They moved uh, Donovan to first base, <laughs> they moved Burleson to the DH spot, and that's what opened up that outfield spot, which that's pretty much a fourth outfield type of role. The fourth, the fourth, the fourth outfielder comes into games and fills in as other players move around or need days off. So right now we're going to see if it happens today because they're facing another righty. Does somebody else get a day off today? You know, Newport just returned. He played three straight. Does he sit? Uh, we could see, you know, O'Neill play a couple games in a row, but that won't suddenly give me optimism towards his outlook and playing time because as a fourth outfielder, you are going to play. You know, there's going to be times we play three out of five, two in a row. Um, oh, and if there's a lefty on the on the uh, schedule tomorrow he'll play probably play against lefties i'm expecting that at the very least as the righty bat and they have burleson and newt bar who they have platooned in the past so all things considered right now the way it's leaning in, from what i'm seeing is that o'neill is a fourth outfielder slash uh platoon bat which is what burleson was kind of doing was the at least the fourth outfield thing but uh now they have all these lefties they have uh, o'neill's a righty stronger against lefties i could see that's where it kind of leans right now and so that leads to the the conundrum as i like to put it is what to do with Tyler O'Neill. We don't roster unless you're 15, maybe, but 12 teams and less, not just NFG, just in general, you don't roster many fourth outfielders to start on your fantasy team. Tyler O'Neill is obviously a different fourth outfielder because if someone gets hurt, he's like the most expensive fab acquisition on the face of the planet if he's available. Um, so that kind of leans to like, hey, I got to try to hold him type thing. But we talk about it time and time again. There's only so many roster spots on a team. And if the guy's not playing and you're just like hoping for an injury, that's why you're stashing him. That's tricky. So I, and this is a problem I've talked about year after year that I need to get better at is I don't know when to hold and fold basically with certain players. Like what's the proper strategy on this? And for me, like I'd be holding Tyler O'Neill because I know the talent is so great, but I'm not starting Tyler O'Neill either, which is very, unless I see like, you know, three lefties or something coming up, that's a different story. So how are you approaching this Tyler O'Neill thing? Do you need more to go wrong before you drop him? Or is it just like crossing your fingers right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm not dropping him right now. I don't think you can. I, I I don't think it's still a murky situation. Does it, could the situation change in a week? Absolutely. Burleson wasn't Burleson a little nicked up and he just made his way into as a DH because he was nicked up. Yep. So that right there is kind of already reason to keep O'Neill. You can't drop O'Neill, especially because 
we're talking about a three game sample. I, I would like yeah. to, especially somebody, if it was like a lower end player of like, oh, Kerry Carpenter is sitting as righties now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there goes any appeal in deep, even deepest of formats. But it's uh, O'Neill is just too good of a player to drop, even in shallower formats. Now, 10 teamer with three outfields, sure. If you're playing that shallower format, you probably can find great stuff off the waiver wire. So I, I, I get that. But he's better than pretty much any prospect you would you would stash right now who wouldn't be producing at all on your roster. O'Neill's better than most uh, waiver wire options, even in a part-time role. I, I think O'Neill, at the very least, just gets parked on the bench. It, that's kind of what you have to do with him. But like you mentioned, uh, lefties, you probably plug them in. But we also could just see – there's a good chance that we see uh, usage increase at any moment just because he's out of the doghouse. You don't – without an injury – or an established, like, hey, this is what's happening moving forward for the foreseeable future. I think you hold tight for now. But he is, at least he's getting shorter, if nothing else. Exactly. It's a definitely one to be, you know, tread cautiously with right now and just be ready. Because the, the other caveat they'll say is Jordan Walker's really not crushing the baseball either. Like, his underlying stats are okay. They look good. But you could see a world where somehow, like, he becomes the odd man out and, and O'Neill gets some playing time as a right-handed bat type scenario. So there's a lot of moving parts there. I guess the most concerning part for me is besides multiple outfielders is how vocal Ollie Marmel and the uh, the Cardinals have been about the attitude, quote-unquote, of Tyler O'Neill. That part concerns me. So let's just hope for a trade. Let's just make it best for everybody. Let's move things around. Let's talk about another starting pitcher that um, I try not to take victory laps this early in the year, but I told you guys. And that wasn't the only one. Curlin did as well. And there were some others. Alec Manoa, folks. He's not great at baseball. I'm just going to say it nicely. He's a big guy. He's a Lance Lynn type that um, will accumulate innings for you at times, pitches to a lot of contact, and ain't that great in general. Like, he's got three, four starts this year. Three of them, he hasn't even gotten through the fifth inning. He's given up uh, 500 runs or more in two of those four starts. He's walked four or more in three straight starts. He hasn't struck out more than five in any start this season. It's been pretty abysmal for Alec Manoa, Mr. Curlin. So what do you got on him? Because I know you've done a little savant dive on him. Yeah, you just I actually wanted to look more into the two strike stuff. That's that's a Toby. That's a I have to shout Toby for that one. It's a, it's a great thing that I never even thought of until he mentioned it one show. Yeah, it was like a couple of years ago when he mentioned. I was like, oh man, I gotta start. And so I've been actually I actually went to look into some two strike stuff. So you know who's starting out most one zero counts like stuff like that matters because that plays into the whole control issue. But I digress. We can get into that another time. But for now. From what my notes say about uh, Manoa, I post this to the Patreon, so you get a little sneak peek here. Obviously, the last start, he continues to allow too many hits. The Velo was slightly up, but still down pretty much a tick across the board, like in the main pitches from last year. Uh, leaning heavier on the slider and sinker than in 2022, and both are getting hit rather hard. And a lot of that goes back to the command. His command uh, has been abysmal. Manoa has like nearly seven walks per nine right now. <laughs> I think he's walking more than he's striking out. And uh, he's leaving a ton of pitches in the zone. If you look at the heat maps, they're all, it's like all red in the middle of the zone where you don't want things. What I don't understand is why is he kind of doing the opposite? He's doing he's going the way of like uh, of um of what's his face over there, Barrios, where it's like yep. Barrios was kind of this guy who he, I don't it just he just it feels very Barrios. That's why I was like I think I tweeted <laughs> Manoa is 2023's version of 2022 Barrios, basically. Like it's just what it reminded me of because that two seamers getting crushed. He's not, the swing oh, and another, more stuff from Manoa is the. Uh, He's not inducing as many chases this year. His swing strike rate is also down, both of which are not only lower than his typical outputs, but below league average as well. So pretty much what I'm getting at, all that fancy mumbo-jumbo from Manoa is that he's earning his crappy production right now. 
and it's unfortunate. Maybe I, I would say maybe weather's playing a part. Maybe he's ramping up still. There are, I mean, there are always are paths to bouncing back, but he's played back to back games in a dome. I, I'm trying to be optimistic. <laughs> Throwing it out there. Yeah, I, I do recall last his last start being in the dome. I, I didn't realize it was back to back, but I do. And that's another thing that the ballpark is not no longer as pitcher friendly after moving in the fences. Even if they're not all going to be home runs, those are going to be doubles that were flyouts last year. You know what I mean? He's given, like he's that. given up 1.86 home runs per nine right now. And is he this bad? No, but I, I don't think he's going to end up at this point. You'll be lucky to break even on his draft. He would have to turn it around on a dime at this point to produce positive uh, ROI. So yeah, I think he's Manoa's, not an ace. He's not an ace like people wanted him to be. I think that's what I think that's the big takeaway here is I don't think he's going to take that step forward. People thought he might. And I mean, I, I don't want to rule that out as a possibility. I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon is the issue. So I don't think you drop him just yet, but he is getting to a point where you're not, he's not an auto star anymore. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's going to be 26. So he's still young. So like to Curlin's point, don't rule it out. I don't see it happening this year, but maybe down the line, you get one of those like Robbie Ray seasons where he's a pick 190 and all of a sudden bounces back in a big way. Who knows? Like that kind of stuff's possible. But people thought he was an ace. Like Curlin mentioned a few things. He has a K to walk percentage of one, one, 16.5% K, 15.5% walk. Less than ideal, you know, 10% swinging strikes average, like he's doing his thing, but just a lot of noise going on with him right now. Um, I'm, I am very concerned. That's why I kind of compared him to Lance Lynn. I see a lot of similarities there. We see, we'll see good starts from them, but we'll see a lot of starts where they just leave their stuff hittable. Lance just throws a lot of fastballs and it gets ugly at times. And they, Lance gets drafted around pick 170. Maybe that's where Manoa should be getting drafted. Like that's just the, the reality of the situation. Let's talk about another pitcher that I'm going to keep my comments to myself on, but um, Sandy Alcantara. It's uh, not good. Not good at all, Bob. Last two starts has been a bit rough, rough for the uh, the Marlins ace, the NL Cy Young award-winning Alcantara. He allowed uh, four earned over six innings against Arizona his last time out. This strike out nine, though. Silver lining. Prior start, nine runs over four innings at Philadelphia. It's been a a rough go for the Sandy man. So what's your thoughts on Alcantara? There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices 
and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's just a little bit of unlucky. I mean, not that we all... I, I think you and I, when we did the Marlins preview... I think we were both off on cost for Alcantara. Yep. And I think that was just a matter of not necessarily believing that the strikeouts would be there, but the innings, it was like, we there was just comps going for a little cheaper. Like Luis, uh, not Luis, um, Julio, Julio Urias, which, which Urias is the pitcher. Julio, Julio Urias. Yes. <laughs> Urias. Uh, I yes. see. I, I thought it was Urias. See, I don't know. I'm probably terrible, Urias. But... I don't know. It's Julio though. I know that much. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got that part. Right? I always mix, you know, I'm always looking at hitters anyway. It doesn't matter. You get my point. That was kind of the comp. And I think Simeon was one of the ones I heard with that comp because yeah. similar skill sets, one going out cheaper with more win potential, et cetera. I get it. Anyway. So if we look at just last start, the velo inched back up, which was, you know, it wasn't necessarily down a whole lot, but seeing the velo come back up, it's still encouraging, especially where it was. You, you had more swing and miss stuff last start for Alcantara. Unlucky with the overall strand rate on the year. Alcantara has a 45.8% strand rate. That's usually league average is like 73, 74%. So obviously he's not, I mean, the Marlins defense isn't the best either though. So there is that. The BABIP is 20 points higher than his career high, a career typical BABIP. So not a lot of BABIP issues, but just a little above average. So again, just goes back to maybe the BABIP is part of the no shifting. You know, that's 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 an issue. Uh, a lot less ground balls, though. So maybe is he giving up harder? Maybe he's trying to keep the ball off the ground knowing that there's no shift. I don't know. Maybe it's just, again, some bad luck there. But we're talking about a 40.5% ground ball rate compared to over 53% the last two years for Sandy. And overall, less chases, but the same string swinging strike rate and CSW from last year. So he's allowing less contact. It looks like, oh, so he's, I'm trying to think. So he's getting less chases, but overall, the swing, the swinging strike stuff and the call strike stuff is pretty much in line. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a long-term issue this year. That's like a little mini dive on him. Sandy, by him, I mean Sandy Alcantara. But obviously, there are some things. I'm just wondering, was the Babbitt held in check because of the shift a little bit? Uh, is he trying to depend less on ground balls? Is he pitching more to fly balls, trying to take advantage of the home park and less and less, you know, dealing less with the shift? Or is the is he just missing his spots and the ball is getting elevated? I don't know. That's too early to say. I'm sure that would take a little more deeper of a Real look. Real quick, but... I got something funny for that though, which is just you did the savant deeper dives. I'm just looking at like game logs on fan graphs. So his first two starts were his good starts, a 178 Babip, 125 Babip. His last two starts were his bad ones, a 529 Babip and a 400 Babip. The funny thing is, his ground ball rate was 20% and 33% the last two ones, the bad starts. The good starts, 41.7 and 64.7. So the shift had nothing to do with that almost, if you think about it. <laughs> That's kind of scary. At least, you know, it well, maybe he did. Maybe the 30% ground balls went through the shift. Who knows? But if you do the math, like I'm saying, like, yeah, it's, 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 so, in half. <laughs> so it looks like that he pretty much, so it looks like that it's just unlucky in terms of like he's not getting those ground balls that he usually does maybe maybe pitch and that could go back to the whole chase rate being less for on contra maybe p players aren't chasing as much so if they're not chasing as much they're not able to make as much weak contact which would lead to more ground balls out if you make contact on pitches outside the zone etc cetera, etc cetera. um we're again you're, you have to look deeper into these aces because you have like because stuff like this has this stuff like this matters because 
they are just one adjustment off from being back to who they were. Yeah. There are people victory lapping it, and I guess that's okay. I do think Alcantara will end up being a solid top 15 pitcher. I know people were drafting him in the top five, but I think part of drafting Alcantara in the top five was knowing you're getting the innings and the security, and I do think that's still going to come, and I think people are overreacting a little bit, thinking that he can't just be that top 15 plus or so guy. And I do understand you expected better, but I, I think you're draft- you were drafting at the ceiling. That was kind of our argument is you were drafting him at a ceiling, and Alcantara is more likely to be closer to 10 to 15 overall than he is to be to one to five overall. So you, unfortunately that seems to be the case, but we'll see. I mean, Alcantara could easily go on a huge run and be worthy of that pick. It's just a matter of correcting some of these minor issues. I don't think, I guess it's a long winded, a very long winded way of me saying I'm not overly concerned about Sandy, but it is a, uh, a little bit of an issue right now. And I think the ground balls are kind of the biggest thing from between the game logs and just looking at some of the underlying stuff. Yeah, I'm not as concerned about Sandy overall, but it, like you, you nailed it. What got to my point preseason was he has to accumulate by pitching quality innings. And if he just has any hiccups at all, like I said, if it's a half an inning per start even, you accumulate that over 30 starts and he's not the same guy. But for his ADP, he's now Framber Valdez. Like why wouldn't you not take Framber Valdez? Like he's an accumulator that went a lot later. Like there's situations like that was my thing. It was never it was never Sandy is a bad pitcher. It's more like Sandy has to basically be perfect to to give you the stats for the where he's getting drafted. I'm with you on thinking he'll get back because like while you were talking, I just kept looking at his game logs and there's like zero in, there's zero consistency from start to start that would speculate like even like the the quality of contact metrics, the barrels, the hard hits, they varied from both the good and the bad starts. They were all over the board. Uh, where like Manoa just stands out, like he just says it's all going haywire for Alec Manoa. Where at yeah. least Sandy, it's like there's this, there's that, like. You can see paths been, of positivity. With it could Sandy. have been like a double play ball away from being out of it, which he was getting the previous year that he didn't get this year. Like little minute things where Manoa is just not good right now. <laughs> He's BP right now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, last one I want to talk about here, we want to talk about here, is Grayson Rodriguez. Because this is a, a, pol- a polarizing one, I guess. Everyone loves their top prospect pitchers. He's not been great. He's given up nine runs in his last two starts. He's only gone five innings and two out of his three. Strikeouts have been there. That's been positive. Uh, I can't remember who tweeted out if it was Colette or MLB Dream or somebody on Twitter, uh, maybe even Alex Fast. First time, uh, the first inning, he gets destroyed. Everything after that, he's been fine. Like one of the best pitchers in baseball. So that's just a young kid in my mind, still figuring things out, maybe getting the adrenaline dump in the first inning to like, hey, kid, you've been here now. Breathe. It's like the old Bull Durham, like the old Galapagos lizard breathes through its eyelids. Kid, relax. Like the 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 the, the rose goes on the front. Like figure those things out, kid. But um, what's your thoughts on Grace Rodriguez when you looked into him? So I'm trying to actually pull up those splits about the first inning stuff, just because I'm curious. But in the meantime, while it's loading, what, yeah, uh, what Grace Rodriguez, the strikeout stuff seems legit. Well, if you go under pitcher, we'll just go through this pitcher on paragraphs. You go under splits, and it should show you by inning stuff under splits. I believe, or through the first time through the order stuff. I'm trying to remember how to first through the order, second, you can see that. I'm trying to remember the inning stuff. There's a way to do it. I, I have to play with I'll that. Find, anyway. I'll find the tweet while you talk. We'll, we'll talk. Yeah, either way, we'll, I'll look, because I know there's a way to do it, and you can, there's, there's just, you, it's pretty much through through search functions and all that. Anyway, I digress. People listening, there's someone listening like Toby or something's like, you do it like this, you idiot. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm, I forget. Anyway, real quick, Grayson Rodriguez, uh, strikeout stuff seems legit. I'm reading word for word above average O swing and swing strike rate, which is great. So he's getting the chases. He's getting the swing strike rate. The O swing being 37.1% league average, always roughly about 32% give or take. And then uh swing strike rate. The average is usually around 
11, 11 half percent in between that range, and it's 13.1%. So you're getting above average swing and miss stuff in the zone and out of the zone in terms of chases for Grayson Rodriguez. You're also getting unlucky strand rate. Again, I like to reference strand rate because people might not realize that league average is 73%, give or take around there. And players, you know, up or down early on, that can explain maybe he's getting some bad luck hits through the middle like we talked about sandy being a thing but his strand rate was only 59.4 percent rodriguez uh for grace rodriguez that is and his bad bit was 378 right now i'm sorry but a guy with that type okay. of stuff is not going to keep that bad bit up that's way too high and if you look at grace rodriguez his fip his ex-fip his sierra are all below four those are all underlying indicators suggesting that he should have better days ahead of him so grace rodriguez is a guy that is underperforming and the stuff is legit. I think there are better days ahead. And if you are in a trade lead and you can buy low, I would do so. And lastly, for Grace Rodriguez, if you, in spite of a 10.8% walk rate, league average being 9.2 right now, at least when I looked at Fangraphs yesterday when I made these notes, he has eight. Uh, so there's that. He, in spite of that walk rate, he's, he still has a K minus walk rate of 18.5%, which is five points above league average. So even with the walks, he's still able to have really good stuff, get the strikeouts, and it's all kind of there. Just again, some bad luck. And you mentioned the first inning stuff, which I'm sure you probably pulled up by now. So I'll stop talking. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was a combination of MLB dream, MLB dream on Twitter and locked on Orioles on Twitter. So dream puts out the first inning numbers in his first three starts, an ERA of 21 for a slash line of 429, 556, 929, three Ks and four walks on 444 Babbitt. That's his first inning production through three starts. After that, though, after the first inning, so you keep every other inning after the first, he's thrown 11 in the third innings. He's struck out 16, walked only three. That's much better than the three to four, the opposite ratio. And as a 3-1 ADRA. So literally, to me, and it might be way more in-depth than this, it's a young kid that's amped up to be on the mound to start a game. That's the way I see it because, like, he's just – if he's walking too many guys or this, that, or the other, he's, like, overthrowing. I don't know. To have a bad bit that dramatic in the first inning – he, he just needs to get locked in on the first is the way I see it. Get calmed down or something, and he can be good. And then it goes to all your points about how he's uh, – all the underlying stats and everything point to a pretty darn solid pitcher. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if you can buy Grayson Rodriguez, I'd be looking to buy Grayson Rodriguez while people yeah. are in panic mode. And then also I didn't mention it, I would sell Alec Manoa to someone that still thinks he's an ace. That's my two cents on those two. Now it's funny that you mentioned this because even you just said you just mentioned first inning. If you look at just his first, second, and third time through the order splits, which you can find on Fangraphs under the splits tab, so I got that part right. Uh, just looking at that, you notice, wow, he's crushing it second and even third time through the order, he's having more success than the first, and which is the opposite. Usually, a pitcher as they yeah. go through the order gets worse. worse. He's been getting better. Now his third time through the order isn't spectacular. The most guys aren't even the best. Exactly, pitchers, that's like the worst. But it's but he still has an XFIP a full run lower than his first time through the order. So he's crushing it in the, in the second time through the order. Third time through the order kind of regresses back, but that's where he should be having issues. So I think better days are are going to come for him, especially as he adapts, as comfortable, and you know, again, breathe through the eyes. Yep, yep. For those that know that movie, you're welcome. It is. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say, it. You, if you're a baseball fan, you better. Know it's that stuck movie. in my head now. Thank you. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> movie. Hey, go grab some pine meat. Um, and on that note, we will talk fab. I, I like talking to these players early on. We'll probably do this throughout every show we do just to kind of dig in for players. But as you guys know, we recap the week in fab, trying not to uh, laugh too much when I see minimum bids of $1 in certain leagues. But um, we do 
12-team NFBC OC Roadwire Online Championships because it kind of gives a wiggle room between a lot of people play 10 to 12. Mike plays 15, so we can give his his main event insight there. And let's give our thoughts on these players kind of going forward because especially this last week, it's a lot of uh, young names. Young names are getting the call. So we'll start with the most added player because he was not drafted anywhere, so he had to pitch last week. He was added in 205 online championship leagues. That is all of them, folks. Uh, he went as high as $453, as low as $21. So there's great keep him honest bids out there. And that is the one, the only Taj Bradley, one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball. Looked pretty good in his first. I know you got three runs. We pitched five strong innings, I thought. There's a lot to like there. Uh, there are some holes in that rotation with Jeffrey Springs going down, obviously. I did see a report before we recorded that Zach Eflin threw a successful bullpen, and he could be back as early as Sunday. So that's something to monitor. And Tyler Glass will be back sooner than later. But I think it's Taj, Taj Bradley's spot unless something goes horribly wrong, Curlin. So what's your thoughts on this ad this past week? So per, I thought it was very team context driven. I don't think I do think he's a solid player. I do think he's legitimate. Actually, I'm not betting. I'm not betting against the skills. I personally was not going hard for him, but that's because of how I've set my team up in terms of having it had a strong start. Not that I couldn't have made it better. I think me and Guilds were going back and forth on Twitter. And yeah, yeah obviously you want to build off a strength. If your team is strong in this, you want to build off the strength. But what I looked at was like, I don't have, it's not a, of course, as soon as I say it the same day, I have Kevin Gossman and Jesus Lazardo and Brian Bayo, you know, remind me that I I was wrong to be this confident in my start, but I digress. My point being is that uh, I didn't have the true need for go in and blow my fab, so to speak, in a 15 teamer. So I looked at it like, he's definitely worth it. And I, and I was, I, what I might've been wrong about was somebody pointed out to me how they've been treating their starting pitchers, which the Rays, I always feel like they, they're hurt. They jerk around their players a little bit, but maybe it's more so with the hitters. Cause when they brought up McClanahan, he was young and it was to stay when they brought up Baz, it was to stay. I, I believe, or did he get sent down once or twice? I don't remember, I, but he was young. And I think they were still, and so I was like, maybe they just don't do that anymore with their pitchers. When they bring them up, they bring them up. I, but I still, I just don't trust the, I think part of it was, I just didn't trust the Rays. They they're bullpenning a game, you know. They have the opener in Fleming, which that's not a spot they should be holding on to, but it is one right now. I and I could see them manipulating his innings. I know he pitched like over 130 last year. Trust me, I've heard it on every podcast. I get it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not here to argue that. I just it goes back to the Rays managing innings. The Rays going ahead and they they have aspirations for a deep playoff run. I could be easily very wrong here, and I will say, I, and me saying I'm not doubting the like someone's like, oh, you're playing it smart. You're playing both ways. You didn't go after him, but you're talking him up. That is true. I can sit here and take the win either way, but I will take it as a loss if he does well and stays up all year because I was not in on him when I should have been. That's a bigger loss than liking a guy. And if, you know, just because I like a guy doesn't mean I'm right because he did well. Liking a guy means I should put my money where my mouth is and go, and go add him in my league. So I will take the loss if he is up longer than, more than I anticipated. And we we did get him. We did go out uh, yep. in our little joint league we, that we're doing the, the OCQ. We went out and got him, so I technically I do have a share, right? But uh, I have a quarter. I have a quarter of a share. No, but that's what I'm saying. And that was a league we lost Woodruff. That was a league we lost O'Neill Cruz, and it's it's independent stuff. And it was also a league where I'm like, well, let's just go for it because why not? Because you have to win the league to get the entry. So, but again, I do think I don't fault anybody for going big on him. I do think Bradley's a good starting pitcher. I also part of it was I am expecting other guys to come up. Like, uh, was it, is it Bybee? Is how you say it for the Guardians? I've heard Bybee, Bibby. I think it's Bybee is what I hear. I think it's Bybee. Yeah. And, um, and, and then they ha- also have, um, I know a lesser, not the, doesn't have the same, lo- uh, the name value that he used to have, but um, what's his face for the Cardinals? Throwing absolute. Lil- 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 
Libertor, thank you. He was a former like he was a former name from the Rays. From the Rays, too. yep. Yeah. From the Rays. So that's one of the things where he's throwing the the harder velocities, having a strong year. Those are two guys that I kind of put in the same grouping with with um with Taj without having. And by then, I'm sure other fantasy managers are going to want to be in on him, and I'll probably have to spend just as much. But I do think that I might be able to get them a little, get those guys a little cheaper as more fab is getting spent. I'll have, and I'm hoping to kind of have some of my fab put away for those guys. So that's kind of where my head's at, thinking I'll, I'm going to go in on players, but I have bigger needs. I want to save. I've been kind of aggressive early with the fab. I want to save some because you do need some fab to get through. It's again, it's only week three, week four, depending on where you play and all that. So I, I kind of just that's all it is with me. Was I was being patient with them, but. I don't know. I, I like. I do like Bradley, and I think I'm gonna. I think a part of me is gonna regret not going for him. But we'll see. Maybe I'll be right. It's more of a gut feel. Of like I don't trust the Rays, and maybe it's a terrible way to live. Like not just. I gotta start betting on talent, and especially now with the new rules. Yep. That you've seen teams be more aggressive with their call ups. I'm just not that, used to it. That was, that was a big part for me. That was a big part was the the, the new rules. The Rays are bringing them up. They already brought them up once, so they they want to utilize them. It seemed like the perfect storm. The Rays could always Ray. Um, I think there's other pitchers that should be out of that rotation instead of Tosh Bradley when guys return. Oh, absolutely. Like where Guilds was like, I think it was a great back and forth. You guys both had great points in that conversation. Now it's just like, what's the team going to do? Because none of us yeah. know that. That's the problem. I only want him outside of our league in a tout for 121. Um, everywhere else, all my OCs, we'll talk about it later. He went for like, I think well over 200 bucks. So I wasn't even close in those leagues. So. Yeah, I, it's not like me to go super crazy and bid high, so I, I was just out. But I think he's a very, very talented young arm. I think he's going to be really, really good. The question is how long is he going to be up for? He should be up for at least two months, I'd say. I, I, he should be in the Jeffrey Spring slot. That's my two cents, but a lot can change until then. Well, when you look at that team real quick, I just pulled it up. I think that's what, that's what I was t- – so right now they only show four starters, <laughs> and, and Springs is still one of the starters. So if you take Springs out, put Taj in – you take, but then you have to. You still have to add Eflin back, and then you have to add Last Now. That puts they've that done gives six them, mans before. Maybe they go six man. They can maybe use they, that, and that would make sense. Not only would that keep their guys healthy, but then yeah. that also uh, that also gives them that the ability to keep Taj limited in innings and other guys limited in innings. So maybe they go six man. And I know six man is becoming the more popular thing these days with with uh, pitching staffs. Yep. That's why I wouldn't. You can't. It's just one of those things. Can you bet on that? I do agree no. that I agree. That, here's the thing. I agree that Taj Bradley belongs in that rotation over a Josh Fleming. There's well, no the debating thing is, that. The, the thing is the Fleming spot is the weird spot because that's been a opener spot. It's been a Fleming opener and, Fleming slash Fleming. Yeah. Yeah. So that can just be cut out right there. Like done. You're yeah, out of but, here. Like, but easy. will they? For some reason, oh, for some I reason, get. like that's what I'm getting at. Like yeah, I, I'm with you. They should. I'm with you. They should. They should. Absolutely, they should. There's no question about it. I just don't know if I. And that maybe that's me playing scared. Maybe I'm just playing too scared. That's all. It's. Hey. I, I I know I'm harping on it. I'm just. It's like I I want. I don't want to be so wrong on this one. I have a bad feeling. I'm going to be so wrong on this. It's the fun of this game that we play. Oh, fun. Uh, another prospect. We have a few of them here. Zach Nito, I believe, is his name. Picked up in 176 leagues, shortstop for the Angels. He was the number one, their, their first round pick in 2022. So the first member of the 2022 class to come up to the bigs. Um, he's got a decent hit tool, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. They already announced he'll pretty much be the starting shortstop from now on. They sent David Fletcher down to the minors. But Nito picked up 176 leagues, as high as 351, as low as four. I was not super aggressive on Nito. I, I didn't, but I, to be fair, I wasn't desperate for shortstops where we've talked about it on, on last week's show and everyone else talked about it. That position has gotten decimated. So you had to spend if you needed guys. There's no doubt about it. 
I just wasn't like what I saw in his hit tool was not overwhelming to me. So what about you? I, I looked into him a little bit. It was just such a limited track record is the problem. We have what, like 43 games at double a since being drafted. Sorry, between double a and single a since being drafted only 20, only 37 games in double a since his draft since being drafted. We've saw, I think it's, is it Nito? I thought it was Neto. I could be wrong. Maybe it's Neto. I'm, I'm horrible but, um, names, so yes. Well, Zach Neto, whatever. That's what I'm going to call him. I apologize. I may I'll get it right by the next time. Um, but we, there's a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. The, the plate skills seem to be there. Obviously, the K rate being 23.5% in AA is less than desirable. It's only 23% early on, so he's not striking out more. Maybe you would have expected him to be striking out a little more at the pro level, considering usually that's how it works. The higher level you go, the higher the strikeout rate. Whatever, we'll see if that carries over. But he's he's let off the last two games. Granted, both leadoff spots have come it's, with a major it's piece. Neto, by the way, Neto. it is Neto. I looked it up. Yes, perfect. So Zach Neto, Neto, uh, Neto is actually pronouncing the T is hard. Neto yep. is what I want to do. But Zach Neto, uh, or was that? Oh, so he, he was leading off. It's okay. It, it happens. I'm used to it. Uh, the whole being uh, all going off tangents is my thing. He's let off the last two games, but one game was with Tyler Ward out of the lineup. The other one was Mike Trout out of the lineup. Maybe they're just trying to get him some get him acclimated, get him some at bats. But maybe he's there to lead off. I don't know. We haven't seen a full lineup just yet, so there is that. However, I don't. I'm with you. I, I wasn't aggressive. Didn't go out and get him, and a lot of it was just no need for shortstop. I do think it's a great upside play, but I think the cost. It's you had this was a get your guy thing. You had to really believe in it, or really just betting on the upside because again people that lost O'Neill Cruz this was a skill set that you're getting back in theory with Neto so yeah um yeah that's 100% on the same page with you on that one same with this next guy Edward Julian and I did look that up last week so I know that's how you pronounce that one uh Edward Julian the second baseman for the twins big time prospect added 169 leagues as high as 301 as low as one dollar um to me, he's like a 15-15 guy with some maybe more upside. He's still young, so he could be more. But with him, similar like your Taj Bradley thoughts, there is Polanco back maybe by the end of the month. There's a lot of moving parts. Let's say we have a lot of moving parts in Minnesota. And Julian had the one big game where he had a single and a homer. He's gone over for the rest of his time. So I am seriously concerned about him sticking. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I don't really need to add to it. I think you, you outlined it, you know, Gallo returning, uh, Kriloff returning. Not that these guys directly affect him, but that's just less spots on the roster for him to be, take up. And then you have Planco, which is the the big one. And Julian was also not the best defensively. At least that one game, he looked pretty awful. And I've heard the announcers talking about how he's just not a great defender. And if you're not a great defender and you're not hitting while you're up, I have a hard time believing you're going to stick. And not to mention, they're not going to keep him up to bench him. They're not going to keep him up to uh, keep him in that like reserve role. I don't think that's what Nick Gordon's for. They are going to, and on top of that, if I would say, oh, he could DH, but they're utilizing DH for Buxton and others to keep him healthy. So there's a lot going on there, and I'm a lot less up. Like, Taj, I'm, I feel like I might have been more wrong with my initial thoughts of it than before, but Julian, I, I don't have any real second guessing there in terms of like why I avoided him this time around. Carpenter got an RBI double today. I'm happy. Already a win. <laughs> All right. Anyway, looking, things are looking up for you. Yeah. Um, let's Thanks. move on to Johan Oviedo. This was a fun one in our chats we had. I, I streamed him last week. I think I kept him in most leagues. I uh, I have him in. He was added in 126 leagues, the fourth most added player. 
last week. Uh, to me, it's a week too late. Uh, max 107, uh, lowest of one. I say a week too late because his matchup this week is at Colorado. And then he gets the Dodgers next week. He had his cushy schedule. So now you got to kind of sit and wait or just cross your fingers and hope, hey, just like you did with Bubik, hey, he's fixed. This is who he is. Like, take pick your poison. Not sure I want to pick my poisons with those offenses. But what's your thoughts on Oviedo? I know you've dug in on him. Yes, Oviedo. Didn't we, did we bring him up last episode? I thought we might have. I wasn't sure. We, uh, we might have briefly just because I, I – no, we did because I added – when we did I add drops, I added him for the two Because he had some intriguing stuff in his profile, you know, leaning more on the slider this year. Oviedo has been a little more different – a little different of a movement profile on the slider. Uh, the pitch mix as a whole has really really helped him in terms of getting the more strike, getting the strikeouts and all that. But I, I'm, in, I'm in on the changes, but like you mentioned, at Colorado, I think it's a two-step next week, but one of them is the Dodgers. Like, oh, man, I think the other ones – I think the other ones the Nationals, though, so maybe you, you take that chance. Uh, bad, bad win context, though. I, I think there was another bad – I think there was um, – I think the big thing with him was like three out of the next four games were really tough, or even five out of the next – four out of the next five. I, I had his schedule written down. I was like, oh, that's a tough – that's a tough run. That's one of those things where you got him ahead of time, great, but starting – you might not – that's another thing. Just because you get somebody – this is going to be a quick tangent. You realize you don't have to play them right away, right? Like pitcher, hitter, people people feel the need to start these guys. Like, oh, I, I went out and spent this money on them. I'm going to start them. No, you. I, I get what you're doing. And obviously you start them if you have to. But like, like for instance, with you, with Bubich, I didn't start him that day that against the Braves. I, I knew better. I, I refused, unless I was, unless I had a zero, I rather, I would have started him over a zero. But just because you have a guy, just because you go out and get a guy doesn't mean he was a must start. So just a reminder that, Oviedo, Oviedo, right? Oviedo, yes. Oviedo. Man, people are probably sick of me messing up these names. Oviedo is a guy that uh, you want to have on your team, but you don't want to start in cores. The two-step I'm okay with because of that. I think it's the Nationals side of things. I believe he gets the Nationals on the second half. That so I'm good with that one. And then after that, I think there's again another tough start. But if he if he shows these next few starts that he's just like dominating no matter what, then sure he enters that conversation of I'm starting him no matter what. But uh, yeah, he's a guy that a lot to like. I think this, unfortunately, obviously, everyone else liked him this week. That's why the price went up as much as it did. But, uh, yeah, he's a guy. The goal is, like, I'm hoping that, I'm hoping this week's Oviedo, or last week's Oviedo is going to be this week's Turnbull. I'm crossing my fingers that Turnbull's a thing. <laughs> to be fair, like you said, Oviedo, next week's at Pittsburgh, at least, which is nice. And then he goes to yes. at Washington. So, yeah, it's not, not the worst case scenario. Yeah. This it's is fun. Wins are tough with him. That's all. That's, no, that's going to be very that's, tough. Rob, Rob, Rob Silver put a tweet out today because he talked about wins at first pitch Arizona. And basically the simple part was just take players on good teams. But um it's he mentioned last those on the wire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he said last he said last year the Pirates starters combined for 22 wins <laughs> last year. I was lowest in baseball. So far, the Oakland Athletic starters have zero wins. Zero through 17 Ooh. starts. He says we they have... he says the odds of them getting to 22 are very difficult, right about now. we have breaking news. Yeah, that's what we have. Mason Miller expected to be recalled from AAA by the Athletics. Could start Wednesday. That's something to monitor. That kid's got some good stuff. I've seen people compare him to this year's Spencer Strider, potentially. Yeah, and now you see? Okay, There's I didn't your Taj Bradley conversation all back for you right now. Because well, they're not calling him up to not start him. No, right? he's like, there to stick. He's there to stick. They're like, why would you not? Like The A's will sit on time as long as possible unless they want to use a player. He is 24 years old, almost 25. Uh, he's like 24 and a half. So I'm wondering, like, they, there's not really anything to gain there. But I, I don't, I don't know what to expect here. There's no real, like, I'm trying, I'm trying to pull up. He has no real uh, innings usage in the past. That's the part of the issue. Like, 
2022, he had what five, seven, eight, nine, about uh, 14 innings last year. Yeah, that's that's not good. Yeah, this year so far, 8.2 innings. Like, I, I mean, obviously the stuff's been electric though. The strikeouts, stupid. But how much are hundred innings? Maybe like yeah. I don't I don't know where the innings. I don't know his backstory. Maybe there's more to it than I realize. But the stuff has been been Ridiculous. crazy good. It's just a matter of a uh, matter of him actually being healthy and pitching enough innings. But we're gonna watch that start. He's gonna strike out like eight in like five innings and get no decision. And, and you, you need to realize that you're getting him for his strikeouts, a little bit of ratios, and um. And no, no, just no, you're not getting any wins or maybe five wins. But yeah, this goes man. back to goes back to Taj Bradley. Now, if I feel like I miss out on Taj and maybe I want to get in on Miller, I have that option now. Whereas getting in on both really depletes your fab. Now that, but I think Taj is better. I really do. Like, obviously, I'm not gonna. Yeah, and, so and, and, I, like, and Taj has the <laughs> Taj has the workload behind him as well. Yeah. So that's very, very that, and that. That was a quick look because obviously I haven't done a lot of Mason Miller looks in terms of uh just I didn't think he'd be up this this soon. But it's just so limited in the sample size on Fangraphs. I, I feel like is there something I'm missing? Did he did he play in a league not that Fangraphs doesn't freaking cover or something? Was there injury? Well, I don't know I, much about him. I can look this up real quick for you. Baseball Reference has everything, so they do. So I will go to that because that's what I use for all these. There's Mason Miller. I'm guessing it's just been yeah. He was drafted in. Doo -doo -doo. I'm just seeing if there's drafted like an injury. In 2021 in the third round from Gardner Webb. Um. He's pitched. Where's the innings? Yeah, he threw in 2022. He threw 12, 16 innings in the fall league, and then from he played. He pitched in single A all the way to triple A. And pitched a total of 14 innings. Yes, so he combined for 30 innings if you count the fall league. Okay, so I'm not wow. crazy for. I was. Just, I, I felt like the only reason why uh, we went on this little tangent. I know it was kind of like wow. We shouldn't be college. Going on it, but... College between college and the minors in 21, he threw 98 pitches. He's never thrown over 100 pit, innings pitched in a season. That's 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 where the concern comes Ooh, in, and, he, and he's getting called. He, he's getting called up. He's getting called up on uh, April eighteenth, yeah, or whatever nineteenth. It'll be tomorrow. Oh, don't be wrong. It's gonna be electric. I'm I'm rooting for him. I actually hope he goes out and shoves because honestly, I might just avoid him. I might again. I, maybe I'm playing. Maybe I'm playing with fire here. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. I, it's not a good idea to be sitting here avoiding all these big names. But how how many innings should we real, realistically expect from him? Not to mention how many. Yeah, the strikeouts are there, but. The wins are going to be an issue. Uh, teams are going to adapt. How long in the game does he get like 80 pitches a game so they can monitor his workload? Does he go five innings? Like, do they let him go a third time through the lineup at all? There's a lot of these questions. Don't get me wrong. But, and, but here's the thing with Strider Strider had more innings. Yeah. The, the, know, innings, the, innings, the innings has me insanely concerned. Like, that is bizarro world right there. So, yeah, I'm going to have to read some reports after we finish. Recording. Yeah, that's what I'm so getting what's at. What's going on? Because uh, like all the reports I did see is how electric he is, how amazing he is, but none of them factored in what's his workload like this year. I've that's never heard uh, interesting, and that goes back to us not being in the prospect realm. That's kind of where yeah, it hurts. I, not, I try, I gig. do, yeah. I do try to you know pride myself being so tuned into teams and lineups and rosters, and yet I still overlook guys like this because I just don't either a I just miss them because I don't know understand the pedigree that follows them or b. I, I might have even looked him up and saw, oh, this guy's not going to be up this year that much because look at the workload. Like he's going to get. I figured he'd have half a year in the, in the minors. I don't. Yeah. I'm surprised. I don't understand the aggressive, the aggressive, the aggression here for the A's. Unless they got the extra year of service time already. Maybe that's what it was. Just a service Maybe. time thing. 
maybe that'd be the only and, reason why they have no reason to, to spend money they have no reason yeah. to go for rookie of the year they have none of those things to gain yeah no, well the, blackburn did have a setback i believe in his rehab assignment so that was like one less guy that not that not that they had any reason not to bring up miller but it was just one less guy that's in the way you know what i mean so maybe that's part of it i don't know I want to bring up one more fab acquisition because the rest is a yeah. lot of Pittsburgh pirate guys <laughs> and some other hot and cold. So it's that time of the year. Like, it's just big names for the most part. But this one stood out in a big way, and I'm a Giants fan. And I've noticed this a bit, but you follow lineups. So I'm curious what you're thinking here. J.D. Davis of the San Francisco Giants has picked up in 110 leagues, as high as 121. I never would have bid that high. As low as a dollar. He's playing a lot, I'll be honest. Like he's, he's like They're moving VR all over. They're moving everybody all over. But they're playing J.D. a ton at third base, which is surprising because initially it was first base and D.H. and whatnot. He's got four homers, 13 RBIs, hitting 311. The stat cast numbers are great, like they've always been with J.D. Martinez. It's just a matter of get him on the field, and he'll be productive. I'm concerned. I don't know if this sticks because VR is playing fine. J.D.'s actually playing better than VR, to be honest. But uh, you still have Estrada. Estrada played left field on Monday. They're all over the diamond. So what's your thoughts on this, J.D. Davis? Because I was surprised to see 110 leagues. Um, it could just be as simple as you look at the Giants this week. They face one, two. They place three lefties. They play seven games. So he'll get a good run there. But what's your thoughts on this one? So Davis was a guy that I actually drafted with my final round of pick in, in my main and then ended up dropping him because the first week, uh, I think it was he played only three against. So if you look at just the righty matchups, Davis played against just one, two, three of the first like six or seven righties they faced. That was the that was the issue. He was platooning. He was straight up. Katie Davis was straight up platooning to start the year with a couple, you know, fill in starts here and there. Obviously, that's why he got three. That's why he even got three. It was actually one of four, then two straight, then one off, then three straight. So it's actually he was only one of four initially. I'm trying to think where the where did the injury go? What happened? I don't know what happened. Oh, you know what? I think they started straight up. They weren't platooning Wade, I think, fully initially. Anyway, that's another team that does this. If a player is running hot, they'll let they'll, you know the giant. You know the Giants better than anybody. They'll let that player run through their hot streak. And Davis, last week, I think over the last ten games, they've had like five lefties. Yep. So, so that's part of the appeal here. Davis went through a whole like a, a, a great setup of lefties, and then on top of that, he's been performing. So they don't play for the for, versus the righties, and that's kind of what happened. Is that right place, right time? Uh, Jock Peterson's injured. They have. Uh, Austin Slater, who's also a uh, short side platoon guy, out. There's just at bat, there's more at bats to be had here right now than typically. They just called up Ramos, I believe, last week to help yeah. out with so he can help platoon here too. Well, he's so, in like Conforto's banged up. So right now there are injuries helping him out, but all things considered, there's always a spot available for anybody playing good baseball. And yeah. JD Davis is hitting the ball well. He's going to play until he cools down. So ride the hot streak with him. But the second he cools down. He's not a mustache guy. He becomes a guy you move yeah. on from, He's and you'll probably you'll pick him up three times this year. I guarantee easily, it. easily. <laughs> so don't, why, be, don't don't get too attached to him, is what I'm getting at. But hey, but maybe that, it sticks. Yeah. That's why I was like 121 dollars. Like no, like I get it. If you wanted to use him to stream, pay a couple bucks for whatever, I get it. There's too many mouths to feed there, and he wasn't one of the main mouths. So it's a hot streak thing. Uh, and when he's hot, he's very very good. Like I, I I'd actually wish it'd be a full time thing. I'd be all for it. I just don't – it'd be at the expense of David VR, and I think they want David VR out there. So that's what it feels like to me. So I'm kind of confused on that one. I think VR has the better glove is kind of the important part there too. That's kind of what people – and I got better at it this year. It was a big one. I'll shout out out to – oh, my goodness – uh, Ryan Venancio uh, at Armbarn or whatever it is. I forget. It's, uh, at Ven Armbarn. Ven Armbarn. Thank you. I should know this better. But, yeah, so he was one guy that over the years always harped on defense. And I'm like, 
it was a weak spot. Like I didn't, I didn't factor defense stuff into my fantasy analysis. Now I factor it in like as part of it. It's like second nature just to look at because defense matters so much for real life teams that we kind of overlook it and just think, well, this guy's not going to play much because, because, because whatever, but wait, he's playing over this guy. Why? This guy has a better bat. Oh, because the glove matters, especially now take away the shift. You need a good defensive shortstop more than ever. That's why Bobby Dalbeck, the whole one game he did it. There's a reason why he didn't go back. You know what I mean? Like, like as much as there was a spot for him, so, so to speak, there really wasn't. So that's why it's like defense now, especially with the shift rules probably means more than it ever has. And we need to, we as a whole community need to be better at factoring that in our analysis when we're trying to project playing time, thinking, well, why is this guy not playing anymore and playing enough? Oh, well, he plays the field like he's blind. That's, <laughs> you can't do that. You know, you, you can't play the field like you can't see. No, I'm 100% with you on that one. Let's move on to our uh, our personal ad drops of the week. If you have those close by, if not, I have mine. I can go first. It's up to you. You can go first. I'll pull mine up here in a second. Okay. So, one of my first OCs. Um, I added Hunter Gaddis, dropped Clark Schmidt 16 to 13. I've been out on Clark Schmidt, tried dropping him last week. It didn't happen. Gaddis was mediocre at best on his first start this week. He's got a two step, and we'll see. And then a guy I love even longer than just the Colorado series, uh, Rodolfo Castro. I did drop David VR in that scenario. This is a 12 team league, so you can do that $12 to $9 with a backup big. I like Castro a lot, especially with that shortstop eligibility. He'll be second, short, and third pretty soon. Uh, in my second OC, I added Hunter Gaddis, dropped uh, Matt Strom, 17 to 12. Added Ryan Nelson, dropped Rafael Montero, 9 to 0 in that league. I think Ryan Nelson is a very, very nice, interesting person, cheap wise, right now. And then in my third OC, I added Brad Keller, dropped Nick Pavetta, 24 to 0, no backup bid. And then I added, and then I literally put a keep him honest bid on Edward Julian. I did drop Joey Weimer. That hurt, but he's been struggling. I could see him leaving the team pretty soon. Uh, Edward Julian got him for 18 bucks with no backup bid. OCs are fun, folks. OCs are a lot of fun. Like, literally anything can take place in those. And, uh, yeah, that's I'll, I'll leave the other ones to the imagination. Those are my OCs. What were your bids? So the one place, just to remind everybody who's listening, I do 15 teamers, and my one play, the one place I'm doing fab this year is, is a, a minus our little OCQ that we do team we team up for is my main event. So uh, right now I got, I made five moves all for $41. So I went bargain shot. I went bargain. I went to the budget, you know, the bargain bin and Jake Berger unopposed 14 to nothing, which I was surprised just given the hot start. And you know, when Berger's running hot, you put them out there, you know, you, you get them, you play them. I know Yohan Mankata might be back this week. So I got that that was kind of a concern, but the first half of the week, it lines up really favorable for him. If, if memory, or it was, I actually I think it was all week in general. He has uh what three lefties this week? I believe it was three and three. Yeah, three lefties, six yep. total matchups, and he's known to hit lefties better. And the three lefties he's facing is Bailey Falter, Josh Fleming, and McClanahan. So obviously one tough one there. But I was willing to take a shot on the fact that he's facing two really weak lefties, running hot, and I could do some a little pop in my lineup. I was surprised that he was unopposed, just given again the depth of these leagues. But I'll take it. Kerry Carpenter, a guy I've been rooting for because I, again, I'm targeting home runs. I'm targeting RBIs. Carpenter's been towards the middle of the lineup. I picked him up, dropped Nick Gordon, and that one hurt because you know how much we love Nick Gordon this year. Yeah. And uh, I, I moved on from him, and it was 14 to 11. So it was a good bid, finally, a good bid. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a matter of just chasing. He had uh, six righties this week, and obviously some weaker righties like Gaddis, like, uh, like Battenfield, potentially. And speaking of Battenfield, I got him five to zero unopposed as well. But it was just a matter of it, it was the, it was the um, it was the fact that Carpenter got another hit. Uh, sorry, it was just another it was just another uh, it was another. Let's see what happens because 
I want to see what Batfield has offered. Plus, it was a good matchup. I considered streaming him. I considered really heavily to stream him against Detroit because it just made sense. But and he lines up. I believe he lines up for two starts next week. So that was part of why I went after him. Jan Gomes. I just needed a second catcher. Jake Rogers, my second catcher for reference, got him six to four. Another good bid. There was one other guy that needed a catcher in my league. And then I mentioned the unopposed two dollar Spencer Turnbull. And a lot of it was just because Turnbull had uh, he had a really good outing against the Jays. That caught my attention. I looked. He utilized that slider more than ever last uh, th- this year. He leaned heavier on a three pitch mix and kind of dropped the usage of two of his pitches. So he kind of made changes and we saw results and that was reason enough to be in on Turnbull, especially for two bucks. I dropped, I mentioned it, the aforementioned uh, Chris Bubich to, to get Turnbull. So I'm dropping, you know, pitchers on bad teams for pitchers on bad teams. That's what I do. I like to target pitchers on bad teams, but it is what it is. I mean, obviously that's what we're picking from Turnbull. We've seen success from in the past. I'm kind of excited. It's blind optimism though, because it's one start, but it was against the Jays and it wasn't against a bad Jays team. I think the Jays were actually hitting. So to slow them down while they're hitting, I was it, it was it was worthy of at least putting him on my bench and see what happens because if he has another good start, he's not going to be cheap this week. Yep, that's very fair. I, I drafted Turnbull in a lot of places and dropped him already, but <laughs> well, that's that's, that's, that's twelve team leagues for you, so that's fun. Even even if he has another good start, he's still no more than a streamer in twelves. Yeah, like it is what it is. Like I, these are fifteens. Yeah, that's why you have to keep that in mind in terms of what you're targeting. So I went like I said, I went to the bargain bin this week to try to address kind of just some early. Quote unquote, not even real needs. I can't call them, you can't really say they're needs, but what they are is just something you kind of see weakness in. I'm taking advantage of matchups and I'm trying to keep that going. So far, so good with my matchup picks. Well, and I've realized, you know, I got some guys that although they might be better long term, I do just, I just got to play this game of I'm streaming hot, I'm streaming hot and cold, trying to keep it cheap. And yeah, these other guys, like you mentioned Keller, I was actually in on Keller, but I wasn't even the runner up on them. So I was I was gonna laugh because if I did get them, that was gonna be like a hundred dollars on Royals pitchers in two weeks. That was just like growth. The idea of ten percent of my fab budget because it's a thousand dollar fab budget for those listening. Ten percent being on yeah. Royals pitchers was uh not part of the that plan. Feels dirty. That feels dirty. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, yeah. Those were mine. Uh, anybody ever, ever ever have any questions? Please feel free to just hit me up on Twitter about it. But yeah, that's where I was at with those. All right, let's take a couple listener questions here. I sent you uh, some of the DM ones that I received. Uh, Taylor Johnson's got a couple. We'll do, we'll do quick hitters on these. Is it too early to cut Josh Naylor for a guy like Brett Rooker? I know Rooker's been on fire, but I'm keeping Josh Naylor. Same. I looked into Rooker. Uh, same swing and miss issues, just hot streak. Great at barreling the ball, always has a hard hit rate, but Rooker, I think it's a hot streak. I would be keeping Naylor for sure. Yeah. Um, how about Justin Turner versus Isak Paredes for the rest of the season? I'm a big Isak fan, but I still think Turner's probably the better fantasy player. I'm gonna go Isak just based That's, on upside. I'm fine with that. I'm fine just with based, that. I'm I'm just going for the upside. And I, and you know me, I've been questioning Isak's playing time since day one, and I'm still taking him because I'm I'm just betting on the upside. If you want to go safety, Turner is probably the safer answer for sure. But I want upside. I want to take a shot on a guy that I think would be difference making, and he has that potential. Whereas Turner has that floor. For sure. Uh, MKB Fantasy Baseball asks: Is Brett Beatty an everyday player? If so, what's your season long outlook on him? If we were ranking again today, how would you rank him against third baseman's and what would his ADP be? Let's just do it. Keep it simple. Is he an everyday player? And how do you see him playing the rest of the season? So everyday player. Um, yes, <laughs> he will be. He And he has a quick and easy opportunity to hit his way up. I actually pulled up the ADP from main events for third base. And I mm-hmm. think Beatty would be roughly around i don't know probably close to jordan walker max muncie range matt chapman if we were drafting today so i put him about pick 
120 ish from looks of things 120 130ish which I feel like that's a fair estimate of where to put him because he probably I don't, and then just because of thinking about how people were thinking about in draft season if Jordan Walker was getting that type of hype you got to think Beatty would be really close behind him right so mm-hmm. that's why I'm like right in that range of like top 10 to 12 third baseman probably right now how people would draft him maybe 13 because but you know Boehm Chapman would get ahead of him he would fit in right behind right behind Boehm before Hayes and Miranda so yeah I think he'd be a top 13 14 guy some guys would be higher lower etc you get my point so if we're drafting today I'd say between picks 120 140 and yes he's an everyday guy he should be on your roster just for the upside alone yep I'm with you Beatty definitely should be he was already pretty much gone in every OC so um yeah he was long gone he was he was was stashed in most places for sure yeah at J-Dub, the, great, the gamer J-Dub asks, buying Patrick Wisdom or selling high? I'm so conflicted on this one because I've written about him a lot lately, and I like the gains we're seeing. He still strikes out a lot, but a lot less than he was before, which is a big plus. It's early in the season, obviously, but the power is legit and always has been. He's playing every day. The playing time was a concern going into the season. You'll never sell him higher than right now, though, is the problem. That's the con- the concern. Like you could sell him right now and just like off this last week and probably get more than you'll get in the entire season for him. At the same time, I think this is obviously not th- as legit, but pretty darn legit. Like this is 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 there some really good improvements? I think. What's your thoughts on wisdom? Should he be buying or selling, Patrick Wisdom? So wisdom is crushing the ball. There's no doubt. However, he's doing Patrick Wisdom things. He's playing pretty much every day, but he's also crushing lefties and gets. I think. I think yesterday was another lefty. Yeah, he, and he gets two. I think it's. I think he gets three or four this week. That's why he was like a huge streaming target. I think he was already rostered in some leagues though. But he was a huge streaming target because of the matchup. The hot, you know, and he runs hot and cold. But yeah, if you look at his, I mean, he's still hitting raise decently well this year. Obviously, with a nine twenty eight OPS, but just a two twenty two batting average for reference. That's like nothing compared to his lefty splits. Again, splits don't matter this early at all, but we're just talking about, I'm just the type of player he is a 438 batting average against lefties, a 1,625 OPS against lefties. Like he crushes lefties like no other. That's the thing. So I do think I still am kind of on the, I, I'm on the side of so high. He's on a hot streak. I would definitely, honestly, I, he, he might be worth more than what you get. I don't know what you can get back for him, to be honest. He might be just be worth riding out and dropping when he slows down because he's one of those guys just like J.D. Davis. You ride the heat waves and then you kind of, and he'll be on your roster three or four times over the year. You, you, it's and He's not a guy that is a mainstay on a roster. So if you can sell high, I would probably do it. Just know that you're going to be pissed off like three or four times this year when he goes off for like 10 home run, 10 home runs over like a three week period. And then, but then when he's hitting 200 for like a, a month and a half, then you're not so mad. <laughs> 100%. He's going to have some very, very bad lows and some very, very nice highs. Uh, it's a matter of can. It's the old theory like in Roto, you just want the end game stats. So you almost have to just leave him out there for the good and the bad and just wait and just say, okay, I'm going to get the end of the season numbers. So I care about with Patrick Wisdom. Just don't even look. Don't even pay attention yeah. to what he's doing. Um, but that's impossible because we're all annoyed by all this, the, the slumps and everything. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I would sell high as well. I'm really excited what we're seeing with him. It'd be awesome. if it, It's one of those where maybe he does make more changes. Who knows? I don't think it's that great. But it's cool to see. That's for sure. But, yeah, I'm with you on this one, Colonel. I'd sell, sell high. All right, my friend, that'll wrap us up. Any final thoughts as we are heading into the week four fab? We got uh, the Discord is blowing up with this uh, Mason Miller talk. Like, it's pretty entertaining right now. Uh, it's all over Twitter. I can't wait to find out more about it. Some uh, smart smart prospect people are saying 100 to 120 innings. A lot of people are like, how could he throw more than 50 innings? Like, it's just a million questions with what's going on. So that'll be a fun diatribe come fab night on Sunday. 
And I'm going to, if any of my competitors are listening, uh, there's a good chance you're going to outbid me on them. I will throw, keep them on his bid on him. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be overly aggressive. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm pretty, I don't get me wrong. I can BS with the rest of these people on Twitter about my, my bids, but I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I just don't know if I'm going to be that guy willing to spend the triple digits it's going to take to get them. And that's the problem. I, I don't think, I don't want to take a risk on a guy that has very limited track record in the minors with very limited inning potential that's coming up already in April. That uh, he could be, he could be shut down by the All Star break. Don't get me wrong. From here to the All Star break, he could be amazing. So that alone, like I have to weigh these pros and cons. I as of right now, though, I'm not thinking I'm gonna be too aggressive. That could change. That's why you can listen to me all you want. Because but at the end of the day, like right now, where I'm currently at on Tuesday, I'm very, very, very uh, thinking. I'm thinking less. I'm more pessimistic than I probably will be by the end of the week. Especially when he goes out and shoves tomorrow. I'm telling you, it's gonna be eight Ks in five innings. I'm telling you, eight Ks, five innings, hey. two run runs on like a two two run home run or something stupid. And check, uh, check, it's gonna be check this out. Check this out. There's a tweet about Mason Miller. He threw five no-hit innings in his last start in the minors, where he threw 64 pitches. Both were career highs, the innings and the pitcher count. Yeah. That, that just, this is okay. baffling. I am baffled by this situation right this now. This call-up blows my mind. Maybe they, just, maybe they just want him to get work at the highest the, level. Yeah, he uses his innings in the bigs, I guess. He, he's, do, he's, dominate, he's dominating as a – as he, he he's not getting the competition he needs in the minors, it sounds like. But again, it's so limited he didn't have a chance to. Maybe they utilize him as an opener or with an opener. That'd be kind of cool. Like if he's actually if he gets utilized second to an opener, he becomes more intriguing because if he's in a three inning role, but as a second guy in, that actually opens up the potential for wins while not crushing your ratios and getting elite strikeouts. And he'll build maybe, from there. Maybe there's an opener situation. This could be interesting. It could That's be a lot what, more intriguing. I'm way more interested if he actually has an opener. If he doesn't, then there's no way I'm in because I don't see him going deep into games. It's majorly hitting. Sure, yeah. first couple of games he might do really well because hitters have to learn them. But yeah. beyond that, well, that, that's what the hard. tweet that's what the tweet was about. It was a Cubs Cubs reporter said if the Cubs can just work the count at all, he might be out by like the first or second inning. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, gone. that's that's very true. So uh, he's something to monitor for sure. But what else is fun to monitor is the work Mike Curlin does. So Mike. Remind everybody where they can find you, what you got going on. Oh no, uh, just just find me at Twitter on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Uh, that's where I'll put everything. So just it's easier that way. Make sure you guys check them out. Check out Game of the Edge Fantasy that both <laughs> of us are doing work over on Patreon with Michael Simeone and Jorge Montanez. And I am on Twitter at BDintric. Hope you guys have a great week. Back to you guys next week with another episode of Bench with Bubba and much more this week. But for now, this was your week three fab recap with Mike Curlin. Catch y'all later. to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with just a few taps 
easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100 that's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100 prizepicks daily fantasy sports made easy